You are now listening to The Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. For more, visit themodelhealthshow.com. Currently, the United States spends over $4.2 trillion in healthcare each and every year. A recent analysis of healthcare spending and performance among 11 of the world's wealthiest countries ranked the United States healthcare system dead last, emphasis on debt, dead last in performance while spending the highest percentage of all these wealthy countries. The U.S. spends the highest percentage of its gross domestic product on healthcare. About 20% of our gross domestic product is now revolving around our sick care system. And some of the other countries included in this analysis were Australia, France, Germany, Norway, and several other countries, by the way. But the U.S. is spending the most money and yet having the worst health outcomes among wealthy countries. There is something seriously awry. Now, today we're going to be looking at what are some of the real issues behind why our healthcare system is failing in many ways and also not to negate the value that it has because our recent innovations can be absolutely life-saving in certain contexts, but we're not doing very well at treating and more so preventing our multiple epidemics of chronic diseases. Right now, the development of chronic illnesses is so common that according to the CDC, and this was published in 2022, 60%, six out of 10 American adults now have at least one chronic disease, at least one. 40% of our American adults have two or more chronic diseases. It has become normalized to be stricken with a chronic disease. Now, we might think that this is in large part due to our aging population. You know, folks are living longer. But as we've shared on recent episodes of the Model Health Show, this trend has actually changed. A couple decades ago, our trend of each generation living longer than their predecessors has now reversed. We are now witnessing the first generation in recorded human history that's not going to outlive their predecessors. So that trend has reversed, but also we're seeing the development of chronic diseases happening in younger and younger populations. For example, what was once called adult onset diabetes has now been changed to type two diabetes. And this change has happened in large part because it's no longer relegated to the development in adults. It is now happening in children. And very young children have now, we've seen an explosion in diabetes, type two diabetes in our kids. As a matter of fact, in the last 40 years, we've seen about a tripling in the rates of childhood obesity and higher rates of cardiovascular damage in a wide variety of cancers The list goes on and on, again, happening in younger and younger populations. And so today, to really bring all of this to light and understand that we have a certain structure that we currently have with our healthcare system, and it's great for what it's great at, which is the treatment of symptoms. And of course, emergency medicine, we've got a wide variety of incredible tools and medications. But if we're not actually getting well or preventing our citizens from getting sick, we're really missing the point. This is about true wellness, and today we're going to be breaking down the actual root causes of our multiple epidemics of chronic diseases, and you're going to be hearing from somebody who has an incredible insight into our healthcare system because as a practicing MD, he got to see this at a level that is just remarkable. We're going to talk a little bit about his background, 
but more so when you find out what he's doing today and what he's uncovered today and the impact that he's making today, it is truly, truly remarkable. And we have so much to look forward to. We have access to so many incredible things that can get us well and keep us well, but it all starts with education. Knowledge isn't just power though. Knowledge isn't power alone. Knowledge applied is really the key. When we apply what we learn, that's when we can see real transformation. So really excited about this episode. Now, one of the things that you're gonna hear several times throughout this episode is blood glucose or blood sugar. And this is really important because this is one of the biometrics that we can track and start to see how our body is actually managing glucose from the food that we're eating. Now, it's not a secret that the biggest documented influencer of our blood glucose in our modern society, the thing that can hit us the hardest, that can cause the biggest amount of problems the fastest, we're talking about hitting our bloodstream fast and furiously. We're talking about Vin Dieseling it. We're talking about too fast, too furious. We're talking about Tokyo drifting into our bloodstream. We're talking about liquid sugar in particular. So the consumption of sweetened beverages like soda and juice and quote, fruit drink. All right, that's really was my favorite thing growing up. I loved the grape drink, not grape juice, grape drink. And it was purple, all right, the purple grape drink and you know fruit punch and things like that. 0% juice necessary, but it's just all of these synthetic ingredients and lots and lots of sugar. And so there's a revolution happening right now where we're swapping out the sugar. We're looking at something that is real, something that has been utilized for centuries and also something that was more health affirming than health detracting. And to actually classify this science-backed sweetener as a mere sweetener is a little bit of a disrespect. And so we wanna give it its proper respect and put it in its proper perspective. And I'm talking about a sweetener that has actually been proven to improve our insulin sensitivity versus messing it up. And this is featured in a recent study published in the peer-reviewed journal Nutrients and it detailed how raw honey can actually improve our fasting blood sugar levels, improve fat metabolism, and reduce the risk of cardiovascular disease. Additionally, the scientists noted that the vast antioxidant and anti-inflammatory properties that honey has is a big reason why it has these health outcomes. Another study published in the journal Evidence-Based Complementary and Alternative Medicine determined that raw honey has antioxidants that exhibit nootropic effects, such as memory enhancement, plus a randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled study revealed that honey was able to outperform a placebo and significantly reduce cough frequency and severity at night and improve sleep quality. So whether we're feeling great and want to get better or whether we're under the weather, this sweetener is far more than a sweetener. But the key here is sustainability. The key here in these studies is raw honey, and the other key is making sure that this is truly a clean food product because unfortunately, bee products are often contaminated with nefarious substances today, and companies are really not doing their due diligence, and this is why I exclusively get my honey from Beekeepers Naturals. They do third-party testing for pesticide residues, common contaminants, like heavy metals and toxic molds and all these things that should not be coming in our bee products. And in addition, they're also dedicated to regenerative bee farming. And truly, their superfood honey, by the way, it's called superfood honey, 
is absolutely amazing. It doesn't just have the most incredible raw honey that you're ever going to experience in your life, but it also has some pollen. It also has some propolis. And also if you're interested in those things, and Royal Jelly, by the way, they also have products that exclusively feature those items. So their propolis immune spray, which has a ton of studies to affirm its effectiveness, by the way, is one of those great things for prevention from infectious conditions. As a matter of fact, a study published in the peer-reviewed journal Antiviral Chemistry and Chemotherapy revealed that propolis has significant antiviral effects, especially in reducing viral lung infections. So their products are absolutely amazing. Head over there, check them out. It's beekeepersnaturals.com forward slash model. And they're going to hook you up with 20% off store wide so take advantage that's b-e-e-k-e-e-p-e-r-s naturals.com forward slash model you're going to get 20 percent off definitely try out their superfood honey and their propolis immune spray those are my two of my favorite things that i utilize on a regular basis i actually just had both of them today all right so incredible company incredible people and absolutely amazing regenerative, nutritious sources to get us well and to keep us well. And now let's get to the Apple Podcast Review of the Week. Another five-star review titled Changing by Krufiner. Your science, your questions, your guest, all of it just brings true perspective and questions to ask thyself. I have been listening for about three years and it just continues to be good. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you so much for making me a part of your universe. Three years, we're family now. All right, shout out to Vin Diesel again. It's, we're not just friends. We're not just podcast host and listener. We're family. All right, I appreciate you so much for leaving that review over on Apple Podcasts. If you have to do so, please pop over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for the Model Health Show or whatever platform you're listening on. If you could leave a review, leave a review for your guy. All right, it really does mean a lot. And on that note, let's get to our special guest and topic of the day. Darshan Shaw, MD, is a board-certified surgeon published author and founder of Next Health, the world's first and largest health optimization and longevity clinic. With expertise in all body systems, he's performed over 15,000 surgical procedures, including trauma surgery, general surgery, and reconstructive procedures. As a health and wellness specialist, he's advised thousands of patients on how to optimize their well-being and extend their lifespan. Dr. Shaw began his training at an accelerated MD program at the University of Missouri and earned his medical degree at the age of 21. Shout out to Doogie Hauser vibes here with Dr. Darshan Shaw, becoming one of the youngest doctors in the United States. And he continued his training at the Mayo Clinic, one of the most prestigious medical institutes in the country. Dr. Shaw's belief in continuing education and self-improvement has earned him alumni status at Harvard Business School, Singularity University, and other prestigious institutions. And he's here today to share his incredible insights on true wellness. Let's dive into this conversation with the incredible Dr. Darshan Shah. Dr. Darshan Shah, welcome to the Model Health Show. Thank you so much for having me. This is so awesome. <laughs> of course, it's my pleasure. We were already chatting it up before the show and just talking a little bit about the current state of affairs with yeah. healthcare. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a complex situation, but there are so many different simple solutions that are really coming to the forefront right now. And you are one of these people that is changing the game. So I'm excited to talk about all the things that you're doing. 
but I would love to start off by talking about you have first literal firsthand experience of some of the pitfalls in our conventional system because as a practicing physician yourself, you were struggling with your health. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, look, I mean, I'm a graduate of the traditional, you know, Western medicine system. Um, I trained in medicine about 30 years ago now. Like, I can't believe I'm saying that, but it's been 30 years. But back then, you know, the whole system was built to take care of people that are really sick and dying from things like infections, they've already had a heart attack, or maybe they had a trauma in the emergency room, that kind of thing. So I went to medical school, um, graduated, did surgery, um, like dove deep into surgery, worked in the emergency room, ICU, and I saw the worst of the worst, man. And I could tell you, medicine is incredible. It can save lives if you're sick. But that has nothing to do with health, right? <laughs> and so the system is just not built for health, right? Like doctors, hospitals, insurance, all that's built to take care of you when you get sick. And about 100 years ago, people got sick from infections, and then we made antibiotics and infections went away. And then people weren't really getting sick that much anymore. But then what happened was our modern society was scared of this population the population growth. And so we did a lot of things at that point in time to try to support this population growth that actually took us back. Things with like the food industry, the pharmaceutical industry, et cetera. And we made ourselves sick as a Western society. And then what we do in America follows Europe, follows the rest of the world, yes. right? And um, I think there's this big misconception that, you know, the medical system, doc, seeing your doctor once a year is gonna keep you healthy. That's not what it's for. It's really to make sure you're not in a disease state that's gonna kill you. And if you are in a disease state that's gonna cause a problem, the only tool that's really there is a pill, right? Or a surgery. And that's not what health is all about. So I always say like the Western medical system is for the 5% of people that are sick, truly sick. But really, there's 95% of us that are frustrated with this system. And I trained in that system. And you know, you've had many guests as doctors on this show. I, I heard, <laughs> I've heard quite a few of them. And all of us have told you, like we got like five days of nutrition, exercise and sleep education out of, you know, thousands of days of education. Yeah, <laughs> It's not focused on that. It's profound. And of course, like no. you said, it could be absolutely life-saving in certain contexts. Sure. And we should be grateful for that. But now I'm a big fan of looking at the results and, you know, according to the CDC, this was just in 2022, 60% of American adults now have at least one chronic disease, 40% have two or more. We're getting sicker and sicker and sicker, and we have all of this apparent innovation, but as you said, it's focused on treatment. It's focused on the treatment of when we're sick. And all, even within that, and I wanna talk about that because our system doesn't much focus on looking at the causes of diseases. Not at all. It's hyper-focused on the treatment of symptoms. Absolutely. So let's talk about that a little bit, and your experience also. Yeah, yeah, so my experience is that, um, you know, I came from this Western medical system, and I'll just tell you a quick story about me. I got sick myself, so being a surgeon, I was working 14, 16 hours a day, standing in the operating room, 
seven days a week. And after I was done with that, I was also an entrepreneur running the business of the surgery center and the doctor groups. I was working almost 20 hours a day. I rarely slept. I was eating whatever fast food, whatever donuts the nurses brought in. You know, I wasn't sleeping. I was stressed out to the maximum. So what happened? What happens to anyone that, that lives that lifestyle, right? I was like 45 pounds overweight. I um, had three blood pressure medications on me because I couldn't get my blood pressure under control. And I uh, was pre-diabetic, so metformin, and then also had an autoimmune condition. So I was on an immune suppressant medication. And I was so sick that I could barely move, breathe, and function in my day-to-day life. So, you know, I thought as a doctor, I could get myself healthy, and I had no knowledge on getting myself healthy. So I went and hired a concierge doctor to try to get me healthy, and all he did was give me like four more medications, right? <laughs> so I quickly realized like there's, I need to re-educate myself, so I did. I went and became a personal trainer actually and got my nutrition certification, and then I learned about functional medicine. So back then, about 10 years ago, when I learned functional medicine, it was a brand new kind of science, and that's focusing on the root cause of disease because all these diseases come from five or six root causes that if you focus on those, you're gonna avoid disease in the future, right? Now, I always talk about like keeping the ship going in the right direction. If it's not going the right direction for 30 years is when you finally start seeing symptoms and that's when your blood work changes. But if you know 30 years beforehand that you're in the wrong direction, you can make a slight course adjustment and you're saved, right? And so that's what I talk to all my patients about now at my practice at Next Health is really like we test and we focus on the root causes of disease so you never get to that place in the first place. Mm, that sounds so good. Yeah. It sounds so obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet, you know, if you think about this, you just mentioned, and I want to talk about some of these root causes sure. of disease, by the way. But, you know, a lot of times, and an unfortunate thing that we've gone through recently is blaming our genes <laughs> for these problems. And years ago, and I'm so grateful, and you know, with with this emergence of functional medicine, I know Mark Hyman is a friend of Mm -hmm. yours as well, but I had the great fortune of coming across a YouTube video of his like 17 years ago. Mm -hmm. So he was early on it, and I'm just like, he's talking about diabetes in a different way that I had ever heard. I didn't even know that type two, I thought once you had it, you have it, and that's the end of the story. And he was talking about some of these principles, and it blew my mind. And even within that context, um, you know, so many of our conditions are, are blamed on our genes. Like you just uh-huh. have this thing. And I talked with Dr. Bruce Lipton, sure. who's a cell biologist, and he shared that less than 1% of all of our, if we're talking about our genes that we're born with, less than 1% of us are born with a true genetic defect where we have one of these conditions that, you know, like type one diabetes, for example. Most of us come here with pretty decent genes uh-huh. and diseases are, activated in a way based on some of these root causes. Absolutely. Because what it really is, many diseases, if you wanna frame it differently, we call them diseases, but they're adaptations. Right. And so let's talk about some of these root causes. Yeah, let's definitely do that. So the mechanism that you're talking about, I think, you know, while while we were like learning about DNA and DNA science and genetics, it was such the early stages and we all thought that that was like the holy grail. We're gonna figure 
all the disease out by sequencing the human genome. Yeah. And what we quickly realize is that the genome is extremely complex and it gets turned on and off based on root causes and your day-to-day -day habits, right? And um, you turn it on and off by adding methyl groups of the DNA and unwinding it. So that's called methylation of your DNA or your epigenome, right? And so the root causes of disease, there's a few root causes. Um, one, everyone knows, everyone talks about inflammation, right? Mm. How inflamed you are can turn on some very deleterious disease genes that lead to Alzheimer's, heart disease, cancer, all sorts of, you know, all the major causes of death. Um, there's also hormonal imbalances or hormonal decline that happens as we age. There's mitochondrial dysfunction. Um, there's changes in your gut microbe. Even the DNA and the bacteria and the viruses that live in our gut affect our genes. So they're separate organisms, but they're telling our genes whether to turn on and turn off, right? And so so that's extremely important as well to recognize. So if you recognize these five kind of root causes of, of why we get sick and how they interact with our genes, it's really so much easier to avoid disease in the first place. And each one of those, we could talk about how we manage and mitigate problems in those root causes. All right. The thing about inflammation, which mm -hmm. is very real, we learn about this sure. in school, but I think that it, se it still seems like a kind of a soft term mm -hmm. in medicine and in health, because it just seems like something that is very, I struggle to say this word, but kind of superficial. Like, yeah. you know, oh, it's, it's yeah. inflammation, you know, but we, I think it's because we think about it in terms of like, if we have an injury and we see an inflammation, but we don't think about that in terms of what's happening inside of exactly. our bodies. Exactly. So can you talk and unpack it a little bit more right. so we understand how important it is? Absolutely, so let's unpack inflammation a little bit because this is a huge misconception because the reason we think it's a soft term is because it's hidden. It's happening in our body and it's a silent killer. It's a, si it's a silent flame burning inside of our body, literally just destroying us from the inside out. And we don't see it or feel it. And it leads to a lot of the causes of hidden diseases. Like, just like diabetes, you don't really know what's happening in you until you start losing your vision or your toe turns black, you know? Mm -hmm. um, same with heart disease. Most people find out they have heart disease at their first heart attack, of which 50% of those are fatal, right? So. So inflammation is leading to these silent diseases. So it shouldn't be ignored. Um, we should all understand that inflammation can occur in any of us. There's many causes of inflammation, but there's a couple of main causes of inflammation. Most of our white blood cells, our immune system, live around our gut, right? So we all know that most of our uh, immune cells, about 90% of them are in our gut, and they're protecting us from the outside environment because our gut is has five times the surface area of our skin. So this is what's really protecting us from the outside environment, separating mm -hmm. toxins from nutrients and letting nutrients come in and toxins stay out, okay? So what happened if your gut is not healthy? If your gut's not healthy, healthy toxins are coming in. Your white blood cells on the inside of you are getting overactivated. They're just trying to kill toxins. And just like any army fighting a war, sometimes you shoot the you shoot the enemy, but you also shoot your friends, right? Friendly you start fire. Friendly fire, right? And there's so much friendly fire going on that now you're causing damage to your own cells. And so that's where inflammation is slowly working on the inside of you to cause damage from the inside out. And this is a 20, 30 year process, right? And so people like to throw around the term inflammation when, when um, they don't really understand the mechanism of what's going on 
on the inside. And people get very confused with like the superficial inflammation that happens like when you bump your elbow or you hurt your knee or something like that or you, or you scrape yourself. But that same process, that same ugliness that you see on a joint when you like hurt it is happening actually on the inside. And so that's where we really got to focus on gut health to make sure our gut is as strong as it can be to keep the toxins out and bring the nutrients in. And part of your gut is actually your mouth. So a lot of inflammation can actually start in your oral health as well. So you'll be surprised how much oral health problems is related to Alzheimer's, cancer, and also heart disease. Right, yeah, yeah. That's, it's so powerful. And it, it, it wouldn't be surprising if we just all accept that it's all connected. Yeah, it's all connected. So we can't separate our, you know, our gums from, you know, yeah. our toes. Like they're, right. they're inherently gonna be talking to each other, our cells right. are. Yeah. But you mentioned this, I, this is one of the best terms, analogies that I've ever heard for inflammation with friendly fire. Friendly fire. Fire's in the fire. <laughs> That's such a good analogy. Exactly. So you, you, you mentioned how our gut can play a huge role in our body's inflammation. And so that would lead me to ask you about the role of food in this. So I would imagine that certain foods that we eat can definitely contribute to inflammation. Yeah, I mean, I learned a lot from your podcast about food. <laughs> you're, you're like the guru of this subject, but absolutely. So let's pack, unpack the gut a little bit, okay? So your gut has actually three layers of protection from the outside environment. That's how important it is, okay? First, you have a mechanical layer. That's the mucus. It's a mucus membrane, the mucus cells on the inside of your gut that are secreting mucus to create a mechanical barrier from the outside environment to the inside. Then you have the microbiome, the millions and trillions of bacteria, viruses, fungi that are actively working. Like their job there is to break down bad things and bring good things in and help us process nutrients, make them absorbable, et cetera. And then finally, you have your enterocytes. Your enterocytes are the most complicated cell, one of the most complicated cells next to our brain cells in our body. They actually can feel particles of proteins and amino acids and nutrients and understand what they are and say, okay, this one should come in and this one should stay out. This one should come in and this one should stay out. But between every enterocyte, it's like a brick wall, right? You have some spackling, okay? That spackling is called zonulin. Zonulin is one of the proteins of spackling. And if the mucous membrane is unhealthy and the microbiome is unhealthy, it starts breaking down that spackling and your brick wall just starts breaking down. And now everything just starts filtering through and now your white blood cell, your army has to come and fight it, right? Sorry about all the analogies, I hope you don't mind. I love it, <laughs> love it. So, so this is where we really need to keep all three of those components of your gut healthy, okay? So you asked, how, what is in food that keeps your gut healthy? Well. There's certain things in food that feeds your microbiome. Your microbiome needs to eat as well. And those things, as you know, are like phytonutrients and fiber, right? And so I think a lot of people, you know, everyone's so focused about what's the best diet. And it's really not about like what combinations of food you're eating is what I always say is the Pareto principle. What's the 20% of the information that gives you 80% of the result? For me, it's avoid ultra processed food because that's full of chemicals that's destroying your mucous membrane, your microbiome, and unspackling your gut cells, it does all three of those. Um, then there's also um, fiber, right? You need to feed your microbiome, right? And micronutrients, micronutrients and phytonutrients. Like you gotta get enough of that as well. And so that keeps your gut healthy. And then obviously, you know, your body needs protein because your skeletal muscle needs to be healthy to keep you healthy for a long period of time, give you longevity, give you health span. 
That's so good. Thank you for <laughs> unpacking those those three layers. Yeah. And yeah, you just mentioned, you know, one food category, and I struggle to even call them foods at this point, point, but ultra processed foods can yeah. damage all three of these and do damage all three of these. Earlier, you shared something, and I don't want to miss this. You were talking about the evolution of our healthcare system and also the evolution of our of our society, which we bumped up against interesting circumstances where you know we've got a growing population and we need to feed people. And so, because for me, I'm always looking at things of like, let me have a balanced perspective of this. The, the outcome that we have is we're inundated with ultra processed foods now, but this didn't necessarily start with malicious intent. You know, there was a movement to feed Americans. And due to that, we had this advent of government subsidies to support farmers in growing certain crops. Now, as in, I heard you talk about this as well, when we talk about monetization and corporations and being able to get their hands on this money, there was a recent time span here, and this was all this was published in JAMA, the Journal of the mm -hmm. American Medical Association, and they tracked the the consumption of government subsidized foods for about mm -hmm. 15 years mm -hmm. to see like what are the health outcomes now. Here's where it gets interesting is that with these government subsidies, it might've had the initial intent in feeding Americans, right? Making sure everybody has food, but it kind of devolved to a place where it's primarily going to these cash crops or the primary crops that are showing up through our drive-through windows and in ultra processed foods, uh, genetically modified dwarf wheat, right. corn, mm -hmm. soy, sugar, and the like. And so what they found was that over this 15 year time span, Almost $200 billion were given in government subsidies. Huge amount of money. Huge. What could we, just imagine what we could do with that. But they found that people who had the highest consumption of government subsidized foods had about a 30% greater incidence of developing obesity, of course, type two diabetes, and what was remarkable, and this is why I'm bringing this up, higher rates of inflammation noted in by C-reactive protein. Sure. They were more inflamed. Yeah. They were far, far more unhealthy when eating the foods that we're Spent. And when I say we, I mean that literally because this is our tax dollars. Yes, yeah, our tax dollars, right? Exactly. So, <laughs> yeah, just it, it comes full circle in understanding these things might have started off like again with good intent, but they've kind of devolved, and we have to pull ourselves out of this situation. You, you and I both, we've spent, and this is what we're doing. What we're doing is like we want to create system change, right? But most importantly, it's you as an individual realizing this and just saying, hey, you know what? That eighty twenty rule. Let me shift over and make 20% of my diet ultra processed foods and 80% real foods. What do you right. think about that ratio? Absolutely. I mean, you know, if you can if you can even come close to that ratio, like for most people, it's the opposite, right? right? And yeah. so like and people people have to realize too like when you go to a fast food window, all of that's processed food. Most restaurants, everything you're eating at the restaurant is processed food, right? Uh, I mean, you know, we're lucky here in LA, like we have some that are just super focused on high quality ingredients, but you know, most of these chain restaurants is all ultra processed food. And um, people also don't understand that um, you can, you're gonna end up spending a little bit more money eating non ultra processed food, but you're gonna get fuller faster, you're gonna yeah. be much healthier, you're gonna feel great, so you don't even eat as much. So actually, for most of my patients that I try to convince them, like, if, like how am I gonna afford to go to you know, Whole Foods? I'm like, try it for a couple of weeks and see what happens. Two weeks, they're eating like 30% less 
actual food yes. and they feel great you know and so yeah. i think i think um, which is ultra, priceless yeah which is priceless yeah. absolutely yeah yeah the ultra processed food industry you know the other thing that unfortunately we've gotten ourselves in this situation with subsidized crops that now you have all these crops that basically cost nothing to grow because the government's paying you to grow them what do you do with it well you turn into high fructose corn syrup right and now so much food has that in it as well. Like it's going to take generations to get out of this mess that we put ourselves into with um, subsidized food leading to ultra processed food. So we just don't have time. Like if you're living right now, you don't have time to wait for systemic change. You got to make the change in your own habits right now. Yeah. And that's what I was going to ask you about. Like how do we make change when these systems are so reliant? They're profiting so much from our collective sickness, whether this is the way that our healthcare system is constructed right now, but also our food system. You know, these folks that are getting the lion's share of those billions, hundreds of billions of dollars mm-hmm. in government subsidies, they're not gonna be happy to like, our people are, oh, they, they, they wanna eat more, you know, fill in the blank, real food. Like, how do we encourage that change when so many entities are profiting from, the, from us? Right, and, and it's not even the farmers anymore that are growing all this and getting right. the subsidies. That now part. it's like the food industry, like the, the massive food industry that needs these farmers to give them high fructose corn syrup because it gives them much better margins, right? So, you know, unfortunately we've made this food system, it's all corporate. And what's the purpose of a corporation is to make profits. How do you do that? You decrease the prices and you increase consumption. How do you decrease prices? Make food as cheap as possible. So it's basically a chemical mix of ingredients. It's not really food anymore. And how do you make increased consumption? Well, you make it hyper addictive, right? So you make it hyper palatable. People, you know, you eat a donut and you need another one right away, you know, and you need another Homer one right Simpson. away. Right? Homer Simpson vibes. Exactly. It's Homer Simpson vibes. And so I think, um, you know, you ask, how do you make a change? I think number one is what you're doing right now with me. Like we're educating people. Like I think people know they're sick. People are sick and tired of being sick and tired. Dr. Hyman loves to say that. And I love it. And I think people know they're sick. They're tired of it. And they just need to understand that the reason is literally in the center of the supermarket, right? That's where all the ultra processed food lives. Stay away from the center. I always joke, I do a lot of talks all over the country and I always joke like, I ask people like, who here has a pantry? Everyone raises their hand. I'm like, you will be less sick if you take your pantry out of your house and you make it a wine cellar. Mm. (laughs) Change that, get rid of that pantry, like empty it out and you'll just get healthier right off the bat. Yeah, so good. Yeah, I I love this connection because it's something that we we all gotta eat, you know? We're making this choice about what we're eating each day and we're either contributing to inflammation or we're helping to reduce it. And so it's such an important input. Now, in addition to that, so inflammation is one of these root causes of disease and Mm -hmm. so many things stem from that. The father of modern medicine, Hippocrates, all disease begins in the gut. He might have known a little something, Um, but something that is really emerging now and more people are aware of this is the impact of our hormones. And so you mentioned that as well. So what are some of the, first of all, what are hormones and what are some of the impacts that this can be having as far as causing disease? Yeah, great question. So what are hormones? Let's answer that. So hormones is a way for your cells in your body in one part of your body to communicate with the rest of the cells in your body. So basically a communication mechanism that occurs from your brain and 
your other organs to other organs and to the brain itself. Uh, and um, you have multiple different types of hormones, right? So um, everyone knows about their sex hormones, testosterone, estrogen, um, but there's also hormones that come from your brain, like growth hormone. There's also hormones that come from your adrenal glands. So you have all sorts of different hormones. And evolutionarily, we stop needing hormones after the ages of having our children, right? Like evolution basically wants to make sure that we stay alive long enough to have children and then we need to go away so we're, you know, eating less of the of the food and using less of the resources, right? But now we live in modern society. We have lots of resources. We can stay alive if we want to. Unfortunately, we're genetically genetically programmed for hormones to start declining after a certain age. So for men and women, that hormone is testosterone. You have a decline in testosterone after the age of 30, and it's very predictable. Um, and um, women go through menopause, as we know as well. And not having enough sex hormone is very closely linked to all the diseases. Once again, Alzheimer's, all the CDC top 10 causes of death, if you look them up, all the chronic diseases are intimately linked to declining hormones, okay? So the question is, how do we fix this problem, right? And so there's been a couple of decades of really bad research published, like the Women's Health Initiative that convinced people not to use hormones, but that was made with synthetic hormone. Um, as long as you're using um, bioidentical hormones and you're doing it with a practitioner that really understands how to do it, you'll become much healthier, and more importantly, you'll avoid chronic disease. Some root cause of disease is hormone deficiency. So we educate a lot of our clients on how to fix their hormones. We test their hormones, then we educate them on how to improve them just with health and habit changes, and if that isn't working, we add supplementation, and if that isn't working, then we add hormone replacement therapy. This is a good place to, to talk about Next Health. Yeah, sure. And what you guys are doing, can you share that? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, um, after I um, got myself healthy, so it literally took me eight months to get healthy after I understood like how to eat, sleep, and um, exercise, I said, there's definitely another opportunity here to help more people do this. Because I was having a lot of patients come to my surgical clinic and I was telling them all the things that I'm learning. They're like, how are you losing so much weight? How are you looking so good? And I tell them, here's what I'm doing. And they got healthy too within a few months and they avoided surgery completely too. So I was like, I just want to change what I'm doing. So I hired a um, someone to run my uh, surgical business and I started Next Health, which we have a small, we started with a small location in West Hollywood, a thousand square feet and just give it, I thought I'd just give it a shot. All the things I'm learning, hormone optimization, sleep optimization, um, you know, nutrition, everything, put it all under one roof. We talked a little bit about light, breathing, you know, grounding, all these technologies that bring those to us on a more consistent basis. So we put a hyperbaric oxygen chamber in there, a cryotherapy chamber, a heat sauna, and all under just kind of one roof in a little small office. And we were getting people healthy, lots of people healthy, and um, became a business. And so now we have six locations all over the United States, uh, three in LA, one in New York, one in Hawaii, and we're franchising. So we have about 30 locations opening in the next couple of years. Amazing, yeah. amazing. And so many of the guests who've been on this show have been to Next Health. Oh, it's cool. really remarkable. <laughs> you know, awesome. whether it's uh, you know Mark Hyman, yeah. Ben Greenfield, I saw yeah. uh, came came by recently, and of course I'm going to come by here soon. So Love I'm it. really excited about that. But just the fact that you have all of these 
things that people are learning about under one roof mm -hmm. and making it accessible, more and more accessible right. is, is really cool. Right, right. That's the whole that's the whole purpose of it. Because, you know, I was going all over LA trying to find like a cold plunge or a cryo this was like ten years ago. No one even heard of cold plunges and cryo and uh, sauna therapy and hyperbaric I like took me all day to do it all so I'm like if I'm gonna buy these things for myself I'm just gonna put them under one roof and do it all in one hour and that's the genesis of Nextel <laughs> amazing amazing and so with that being said I would imagine that the the, the treatments and the protocols are based on the person Absolutely. and not just you know and so can you talk about that? So do you guys do like blood work and things like that as well? It all starts with the blood work. So look, you can come in and just get a tech membership. So say you're a young, healthy you know, person and you just wanna just use the technology. We have memberships for that, but we really encourage people to do their blood work. And we check over a thousand different biomarkers. We do genetic testing. We even do whole body MRIs and cancer screening and heart scans as well. And we take all that information, we call it our executive physical, we tie it all together and we come up with a 12 point health optimization plan on the 12 aspects of wellness. And over the course of the following year, we execute on this plan with our patients. And so it's a really great system. You know, it's kind of like what I did for myself and then I kind of refined it for my patients. And I feel like it's very complete. And I really encourage people to become the CEO of their own health. I talk about this a lot because I really believe in educating people on what the biomarkers mean and how to follow them. Because just like, you know, one of them is hemoglobin A1C. It doesn't go from like 5.0 to 7.5 overnight. It takes 20 years. And the only person vested in making sure you stay healthy is really you, right? Yeah. So you gotta be able to follow some of these numbers and understand like your top eight to 10 biomarkers. Yeah. yeah, and I want to talk about some of those biomarkers. Sure. You just mentioned hemoglobin A1C. So right. this is one of the primary biomarkers indicating states of diabetes. Right, yeah, or, or just metabolic disease in general. Right, right. Exactly. For ev the average person would think about it in those terms of, right. of just being about diabetes, but it's right. so much more. Right, so you know, you're, you're right, exactly what you said. The average person would say hemoglobin A1C tells you whether or not you have diabetes. That's Western medicine, right? Like no one says there's a problem until it's over seven and now it's like you have diabetes, right? But literally we tell people when you're above 5.5, 5.6, you're going in the wrong direction. We need to start making changes now. So we educate them on how to avoid sugar, how to avoid carbohydrate. Um, we get them a continuous glucose monitor, for example, and we kind of retrain them on how to eat so they flatten their glucose curve and they avoid metabolic syndrome completely. And so that's one example of a biomarker that if you're watching it, you can immediately make a change. And metabolic syndrome, I think I just said this, but it's, it's like the root cause of, one of the root causes of all the other diseases. So um, you stop metabolic disease in this track, you're likely not to get heart disease, Alzheimer's, other neurodegenerative diseases. And that's one of like eight biomarkers we follow. Got a quick break coming up, we'll be right back. The human brain is the most powerful pharmacy in the universe. And I'm saying that because every single thought that we think creates correlating chemistry in our bodies. And that biochemistry is designed uniquely for you. It's beyond bioidentical hormones or bioidentical neurotransmitters. These are designed specifically for your own receptor sites. So what you're making within your own body based on your thoughts, your perception of reality is of the utmost importance. And obviously thoughts of stress and anxiety and worry and fear these are going to create cascades that make us feel a certain way. The same with more positive and affirmative feelings and thoughts. 
of joy, of love, of connection. But all of our emotions matter. Now, the thing is, if we're talking about health and longevity, we want to make sure that we're stacking conditions to have more positive, affirmative thoughts and buffer us from the stressful thoughts that we are inevitably going to have. Now, our sleep hygiene, our movement practices, and also our nutrition are of the utmost importance in helping to modulate these things. And when it comes to managing stress, there is one particular story T that has been utilized for thousands of years that stands head and shoulders above the rest. A study published in Biomedical Research found that test subjects with a variety of health complaints, including anxiety and poor sleep quality, were given lion's mane medicinal mushroom or a placebo for four weeks to monitor their metabolic and psychological impact. The participants who utilized lion's mane had significantly reduced levels of anxiety and irritation than those in the placebo group. The researchers stated, quote, our results show that lion's mane intake has the possibility to reduce depression and anxiety, unquote. Not only that, scientists at the University of Malaya discovered that compounds in lion's mane are able to significantly improve the activity of a nerve growth factor in the brain. Nerve growth factor is essential in the regulation of growth, maintenance, proliferation, and survival of various brain cells. If we want to have a healthy brain and protect our brain cells, which we don't have the regenerative activity of brain cells like we do other cells in our bodies, we've got to take care of our brain cells. This is one of the few things ever discovered that has that protective capacity. For me and my family, we want to make sure that the medicinal mushrooms that we're utilizing, lion's mane, chaga, reishi, and the like, are all done via a dual extraction to make sure that we're getting these bioactive compounds in a more full fashion. So via a hot water extract and an alcohol extract, there's one company that's doing that and infusing these incredible medicinal mushrooms into things like organic coffee, organic hot cocoa. And I'm talking about the folks at Four Sigmatic. Go to foursigmatic.com forward slash model and get 10% off storewide of all of their incredible medicinal mushroom elixirs, cocos, and their organic coffee blends as well. Today, I actually had the Lion's Mane and Chaga organic coffee blend. This is one of those things, of course, it puts you on 10, but it helps you to modulate and manage your energy. It's not one of those things where you get this jolt of energy and then it leaves you lagging later on. It's very steady, mild-mannered behavior, and also helping to really activate the cognitive function that we're looking at when we're talking about things like lion's mane medicinal mushroom. You can get 10% off store-wide plus more. They've got some incredible packages that you've got to check out in specials over at foursigmatic.com forward slash model. Go to F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com forward slash model for 10% off store-wide and more. And now back to the show. So we've covered inflammation. We talked a little bit about hormones. And I wanted to make this point as well that, you know, now we know and still, you know, the average person isn't aware of this, but our fat tissue, our muscle tissue are both functioning really as endocrine organs mm -hmm. and influencing what our hormones are doing. And in some ways, even our muscle being a reservoir for certain hormones is really fascinating. And this is looking at what we can do proactively or doing on accident that's influencing what our hormones are doing. And so if we are just kind of haphazardly being the average person in our society, just accumulating more and more body fat, mm -hmm. we're going to see 
And it kind of feeds into itself and being harder and harder to, quote, get rid of this fat as well. But we're going to see some unfavorable things happen with our hormones as a result. Mm -hmm. And um, but proactively, we could focus on building more muscle. And I know that that's something that you educate your patients on as well is the yeah. importance of muscle. Let's talk yeah. about that a little bit. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, muscle is probably next to your brain and your heart, probably the third most important organ in your body, right? Mm -hmm. This is what's giving you longevity and causing you to stay alive for a longer time. Your muscle is where your metabolism happens. All of the stuff we talk about, insulin and glucose regulation, it's all happening in your muscle, okay? So the more muscle tissue you have, the more likely you are to keep glucose low, leading to less fat accumulation. So really, if there's, I always say, you know, if there's one type of exercise, you only have time to do one type of exercise is strength training. Um, that's where you're gonna get the most benefit, especially after the age of 40. Because after the age of 40, once again, we're genetically programmed to start heading down the path of sarcopenia. And that's why a lot of older people you see like in their 80s and 90s are frail. They can barely move. Um, they have a hard time getting around without help. Um, and the frailty also occurs in the brain and in, uh, in your organs as well. So if you keep your muscle healthy, you'll likely live a longer and healthier life. So we talk a lot about building muscle. Um, I'm a big believer in doing, you know, strength training workouts two or three times a week. Um, I tie that in with functional workouts. So like you know, having good mobility exercises, especially after the age of 45, 50, and good protein intake, creatine. I'm also a big believer in creatine. I tie all that together into when I create like a workout plan or an exercise program for our patients. Amazing. Um, I love that you mentioned, of course, the strength training aspect. And if there was one form of exercise to do, that's the one to do. Because you also get, you know, it's it's so crazy. You know, when I was in college and, you know, we have kinesiology and also sure. personal training certifications and whatnot. And it's kind of like this, like, black or white aerobic or yeah. non-aerobic exercise anaerobic exercise but when you're strength training and depending on the way that you do it this is also you're getting aerobic benefit too Absolutely. you know yeah. and so it's like you can really stack some conditions in your favor and as you mentioned this is something we can proactively especially before we get to our senior years and really accumulate some solid muscle tissue it's going to help us to age more gracefully yeah. but you also mentioned functional stuff mm -hmm. you know like being able to if we want to be active we've got to pay attention to those small things which and i'm seeing this more and more even with younger people it's just like if you don't use it you lose it and so if you want to be active and do dynamic movements you've got to train those things right. you know if you've just been kind of you know i go to the gym and lift weights for yeah. you know an hour three times a week that is amazing you're running laps around most right. of society but then if you that's just what you're doing and then all of a sudden you want to you know pick up some new sport right. and you get end up getting injured like right. you've got to train these things and yeah. so i'm a huge huge advocate now of like um, doing bounding exercises like jumping yeah. from one foot to the other jump rope stuff like that yep. especially as people are getting older because we just if you see my son my 12 year old son run around He's just doing that stuff yeah, all the time. Exactly. I can't Without stop even thinking, it, right? Like, he's just like, <laughs> but for us, we're just very, it's, we become a lot more mechanical right. as we go on. We just kind of do the things that we need to do. But if you want to be creative and to play and to do those things, I'm so glad that you mentioned that as well. Yeah. You know, I, I always say like, if you see a lot of my patients are actually like hard charging individuals. They have like two jobs or they're running a company and they don't have a lot of time, right? So they're like, look, man, I can give you 
two workouts a week. What do you want me to do? I'm like, do one strength training, one functional muscle, functional muscle building exercise. And I put together like, you know, just stuff that speaks to them. So, you know, one of the things I ask is like, what do you want to do when you grow up? Like when you're, <laughs> when you're 75 and retired, like, what do you want to do? I want to travel. Okay. So then you need to lift a bag over your head mm. and put it in the overhead compartment, right? You're going to need to be able to push, push things along. You can pull things. Right. And so I, I just basically, you know, tell them to get a sandbag and just start doing some exercises where you're lifting the sandbag over a pole, get a sled to sled push, sled pull, um, squats, right? You see, you're 12 year old, you can probably squat in a second. Most like people over 40 are scared to squat, right? Because they don't know if they're going to get back up or not. Yeah. So do, do a few just, you know, sit stand exercises, squatting. So we put all that together and I think it's so incredibly important and I'm so glad you double clicked on it. When you turn 40, you got to start doing some functional training or else you are gonna lose it. And just because you go to the gym and you're lifting these heavy weights, you're still gonna lose the, the functionality of those, uh, of those joints, those muscles, and them working in concert in balance too, right? You know, I'm so glad that you also mentioned the, the, the impact that muscle has on our blood sugar. Right. You know, mm -hmm. and its relationship with insulin and blood glucose because, and this is what you're doing, you're giving your patients the opportunity to have choice, metformin or muscle. Mm -hmm. You know, like you have some say in this, but our model has been just, it won't even mention the muscle, no. you know, let alone um, all the other things that you have access to today. But, you know, just understanding that this other thing is, it has its place, metformin has its place, insulin has its place, but there are certain requirements our genes expect from us. Right. Just for normal functioning, and one of those is muscle contraction and actually yeah. using our bodies. Right. Who'd have thought? <laughs> exactly. You know? <laughs> Who'd have thought a pill wouldn't replace that? You know? Exactly. <laughs> we don't have that, yeah, you know? Yeah. And this brings me to another one of these root causes of disease, which is mitochondrial dysfunction. Uh, Let's yeah. talk about this one. Again, this, going back to my university classes, we talked about the mitochondria, energy power plant of the cells, mm -hmm. but it didn't have application to me. Right. It didn't make sense in my life. How does this matter? And see, this is the problem with all the root causes, right? Because they're kind of invisible. They're microscopic, they're inside of you. The mitochondria are the most important thing in our cell, next to the nucleus of the cell, right? Because it's providing the energy for the entire cell to do everything it does. A liver cell can't do what it does without mitochondria working well. Same with your heart, same with your brain, same with every organ in, in your body. So your mitochondria, for those of you who don't know, are the powerhouses of the cell. They're actually thought to be a separate organism that ended up symbiotically living inside of our cells to power it, to give it the energy to combine with other cells and replicate. And so this happened, you know, millions of years ago, and now we live synergistically together. And the reason that's important is because just as much as you treat your own health, the health of your cells, you have to also talk in, about treating your mitochondria. And your mitochondria require precursors to make energy. Energy is ATP, that's a molecule of energy. And these precursors of energy that the mitochondria need, they have, you know, people have heard of NAD, NMN, etc. taking them as supplements, but all of that also comes from food and eating good nutritious food as well. And so making sure your diet is on point really helps your mitochondria function well and have the precursors it needs. And then mitochondria get tired and old after a while. So you need to make new mitochondria. That's called mitochondrial biogenesis. How do you do that? Really 
it's, it's so counterintuitive. By stressing your mitochondria, it forces them to make more mitochondria. And so how do you stress your mitochondria? Things like HIIT exercise, things like heat therapy or, or sauna, uh, cold, um, high intensity uh, weightlifting as well, stresses your mitochondria, causes you to make new and more powerful mitochondria. And so everyone needs to add some of these things into their day-to-day routine. I, I was talk- talking to you earlier, like, so many things are free and we take them for granted and they're actually the healthiest things on the planet for us. Things like air and light and cold and heat, <laughs> simple things. And they're, they're incredibly beneficial to our health, but we end up just sitting inside all day long yeah. not taking advantage of any of it, you know? <laughs> yep, yep. And right. also we have our, our creature comforts and controlled you know, temperature is all the yeah. same, but if yeah. we were living in a natural context, we'd have exposure to all these things, right. exactly. you know, and we just kind of hide it, hiding out right now. <laughs> um, but it is so funny, like we, and I know a lot of people, myself included, this has happened, but we might have a cold plunge mm-hmm. tub or access to that, but then we'll have, you know, our temperature on the same setting and be yeah. afraid to go outside. Like, <laughs> you know, and I, I just went for a walk. It was a little bit chilly, you know, um, with my mother-in-law and my son. Uh, just yesterday and of course it's very different being in st louis when i say chili versus la chili is totally different but um just that's what it's all about like getting out in the in the in the in the the weather is kind of brisk and the fresh air and the sun's going down you're getting those light inputs all of these things help for healthy expression of our genes of ourselves and so much of this is free it's just getting our butt outside yeah and it's like you know it's so funny, like I challenge people to, challenge my patients to do this first thing in the morning. Go outside with no shirt, no shirt on, no shoes on, and just stay outside on the ground for 15 minutes and just get exposed to the first light of the sun, right? And everyone's like, no way, are you crazy? Like, what do you think our caveman ancestors did for thousands of years? That's what they did. They got up, they got out of the cave with no shoes on, no shirt on, and they got exposed to the sun. That's what health is all about. That first morning light sets your circadian rhythm. The little bit of coldness gets your mitochondria active again, mm. right? The grounding rechanges your electrical biochemistry of your body. It's all it's all tied together. Amazing, amazing. Yeah. So, of course, we've talked about several of these um, root causes. Uh, we've talked about inflammation, hormone imbalances, mitochondrial dysfunction, the microbiome. Uh, is there anything else? Insulin dysregulation, we talked about Insulin that as well. Those are the six causes that I've identified. Amazing, yeah. amazing. So again, this is putting more power into our hands to be right. aware of some of these things. But then the question is, if you are tracking some of these things, mm-hmm. and many people are getting blood work done, but they might not be getting an education about what these things mean. And also, science-backed protocols to help with some of these things. Right. And that's what you're providing. But also, I wanna ask you about some of the more innovative or newer forms of treatments sure. that you guys are doing uh, as well. You got a variety of different IV treatments that you're doing. Let's talk about some yeah. of those. Yeah, so um, you know, one of the things that, that I kind of got into just by accident was the whole longevity science movement, which occurred kind of all the same time. It's so crazy how everything just kind of is occurring right now, right? <laughs> and um, um, when my patients got healthy, and myself included, it's like, hey, what's next? Like, you get addicted to being healthy and energetic and feeling vibrant, right? You're like, what's next? I'm like, so I started looking out there, and you know, being a doctor, I have access to these incredible conferences and scientists, and you hear about things such as stem cells, IV energy, 
NAD therapy, um, IV exosome therapy. We're doing a treatment called therapeutic plasma exchange as well, which is like cutting edge, but it's been, it's been technology that's locked up in the hospital for like 40 to 50 years to treat disease, bringing it out to people that are healthy to really improve their current state of health and make them better and turn back their aging clock. Those are the kind of things that we're providing as well. Amazing. Can yeah. you talk a little bit about like what, what is something that you would recommend? Of course, this would be personalized, mm -hmm. but for the average person that's just kind of feeling, you know, they're not as energetic and they're just wanting to have, like, you know, just to feel a little bit better, maybe improve some of their biomarkers. What are some of these treatments that can help with that? It's specifically, matter of fact, let's talk about longevity. Yeah, you sure. Know, let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So, okay, the, the basic tenet that I have about longevity is there's really not a good reason to do any of these expensive kind of cutting edge treatments if you don't have the basics right. Yes, thank you. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like if yeah. you're going to do a therapeutic plasma exchange and then go to McDonald's afterwards <laughs> and then, you know, go drink and go to bed at like midnight and wake up at five in the morning, just yeah. forget it. You're wasting your money, you know? So I always tell people, first we get your nutrition, your exercise and your sleep right. And then we focus on all of those six root causes of disease. And then we got, once we get all that right, we can do some of the longevity stuff. And what a lot of patients are doing now that have everything else right, and you know, they're, they're lucky they have the, the money to do this right now. This, some of this stuff is a little bit expensive, but um, the price is coming down like exponentially every year. But they're doing therapeutic plasma exchange followed by stem cell and exosome therapy. And I think that's really cutting edge right now. So can you talk about what what is that? Yeah, therapeutic plasma exchange, yeah. yeah. So this is a cutting edge treatment that actually comes from, like I mentioned earlier, a hospital-based treatment that has been done for years to treat um, like an autoimmune crisis. And what happens is, is you have someone come to your office and you put an IV in one arm, you remove the blood from that arm and it goes into like a large machine that looks like a dialysis machine, but it's actually a giant centrifuge. And that giant centrifuge spins the blood and it separates it into its components of blood cells and plasma. Now the blood cells go back into you via another IV, but that plasma is completely removed and discarded and replaced with another fluid, okay? And the reason we do this is because if you're sick or if you're inflamed or if you're having toxins accumulate inside your blood, it's really all accumulating in your plasma. That's where all that stuff is living. Inflammation, um, immune complexes, even, even tau protein and amyloid protein that, you know, are the proteins that lead to Alzheimer's, all that's accumulating in your blood. When you remove it and you do a series of treatments, then you literally help your body eliminate these toxic substances. And that's what therapeutic plasma exchange does. Amazing, yeah. amazing. Can you talk a little bit about the NAD? Yeah. Mm -hmm. NAD, um, as I mentioned before, is a precursor of ATP, which is energy. Um, as we age and as we become sick from all these different causes and inflamed, our body is just using up our our um, NAD as fast as we can, as fast as it can get it. Right? It just does not have enough NAD. And, you know, we live in one of the most toxic environments in human history right now, so our cells are all working incredibly hard to just remove toxins on a constant basis. So they're all NAD depleted, which means your mitochondria don't have the precursors, so your mitochondria are, can't work as hard, and your cells just don't have enough energy. And without energy, none of your cells can do what they need to do. So the 
kind of the shortcut to all that is giving that NAD in your vein. And so we do IV NAD treatments. A lot of people have been getting it done and seeing incredible results. Um, the uh, Treatment takes about two to three hours, and pretty soon there'll be some more advanced treatments coming out in the NAD world. Like I don't know if you've ever had an AD. Have you had it? Yeah, you get a little sick, right? In the in the. Have you felt that like that feeling in your? I in don't your even chest? remember. It was like three or four years ago. Yeah. So one of the things about IV NAD is it gets a little bit uncomfortable. It can cause like a tightness in your chest. Like it's not your heart. It's just a feeling that it causes. And um, I'm excited about some of the new NAD treatments that are coming out that will eliminate that and we can give the treatment a little bit faster um i think there'll be a lot more people doing it but um you know i do it whenever i've come back from like an international trip or whenever i've just recovered from a sickness whenever i just didn't get a good night's sleep and i'm just feeling really low energy i'll go do an iv nad treatment yeah sidebar when i got it done it was it was referred by mark hyman oh uh, yeah and it was up in norcal and it was like kitchen sink you know i was i had uh an injury and so it was a bunch of stuff. So sure. I don't even remember how I felt. <laughs> but anyways, back in. Yeah. Um, so and I, I love this so much because we've got these great science backed innovations that are more pro health. Right. Like they're more health affirming. And instead of, again, trying to treat illnesses and conditions after they've already right. set in, which you are amazing at that, obviously. Yeah. But these are some proactive things that we can do to support our health. But you also share that the basics first. Mm -hmm. I love that so much because we could change and improve so many things about us. And even thinking in terms of our our mitochondrial health, you know, even with cold exposure and lifting some weights and all these different things, we could empower these systems. Mm -hmm. And it reminded me of our brown adipose tissue and that cold exposure because it's brown because it's even more dense in mitochondria. Mm -hmm. But you know, our muscle tissue, our brown adipose tissue, just our lifestyle, implementing some of these things, we can get some incredible changes. But the question is, are we doing them? And this is why your work is so important because you're inspiring people that, and a lot of times, some of these things people have never heard of still, like, you know, we've got a lot of work to do still, but the fact that you're out here sharing this and your experience, your perspective is so remarkable and you're making it more and more available for people. And so I'd love if you can share, you know, where can people connect with you? Where can they, you already mentioned you have six locations and now it's expanding even more, but just to get into your universe, to learn more, where can people find out more information? Yeah, so I, I put a lot of my Instagram page at, um, it's at Darshan Shah MD, um, and I also have the same handle for my YouTube as well, and so we're putting stuff on there. Uh, as I mentioned to you, I just getting started with all the with the information spreading, and so I love it. I'm writing a book right now, um, that'll be out next year, and then come to Next Health, go to next-health.com, and you can see one of our locations. We're franchising all over the country, so hopefully we'll be in many more cities soon and you know just come by we'll give you a free tour we'll show you around you know get a cryotherapy session and um, maybe you're inspired to do some blood work it all starts with a simple blood test we call that our baseline blood test and we can give you so much information and show you what direction to head in and like what's the Pareto principle what's the 20 percent of things you can do to make a massive difference that's what we like to start with amazing so listen for a lot of people this is their first time hearing from you but I'm, I'm telling you right now, in two, three, four years, you're gonna be everywhere. Thank so this you. is like <laughs> early adopter getting into Dr. Shaw's universe. So I really Thank appreciate you. you coming by and sharing your insights. Thank you, man. It's so great to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course, my honor. Dr. Shaw, everybody.
Thank you so much for tuning into this episode today. I hope you got a lot of value out of this. Again, this is about actually looking at the root causes of our most common chronic conditions and addressing those things because as we've established, our current healthcare system doesn't much care for the causes of these diseases. They're infatuated with the treatment of symptoms. And again, that has its place. But if we're talking about transforming the health of our families, of our communities, of our society, we've got to actually look at what's causing all of these chronic conditions, all of the unnecessary pain and suffering. We can do something about this, but we've got to actually look at what the real issue is. And that's why I'm so excited about these conversations because this is getting to more and more people. And I feel like a tipping point is nearing, but we've got to keep our foot on the accelerator. And so part of that acceleration is you sharing this information, of course, with applying it and being the representation, but also sharing the information directly, sharing this with your friends and family, sending the podcast episodes to people that you care about. So please send this episode out to somebody that comes to mind that would want to improve their health and wellness to feel empowered and to get a little bit of inspiration today. You can send this directly from the podcast app that you're listening on. And of course, you can share this on your social media and tag me, share this with your audience, share this with your friends and family over there. I'm at Sean Model on Instagram, and we've got some epic masterclasses and world-class guests coming your way very, very soon. So make sure to stay tuned. Take care, have an amazing day, and I'll talk with you soon. And for more after the show, make sure to head over to themodelhealthshow.com. That's where you can find all of the show notes, you can find transcriptions, videos for each episode, and if you got a comment, you can leave me a comment there as well. And please make sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a rating to let everybody know that the show is awesome, and I appreciate that so much. And take care. I promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help you transform your life. Thanks for tuning in.